From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler by E. L. Konigsberg. Chapter 3. As soon as they reached the sidewalk, Jamie made his first decision as treasurer. We'll walk from here to the museum. Walk? Claudia asked. Do you realize that it's over 40 blocks from here? Well, how much does the bus cost? The bus? Claudia exclaimed. Who said anything about taking a bus? I want to take a taxi. Claudia? Jamie said. You are quietly out of your mind. How can you even think of a taxi? We have no more allowance, no more income. You can't be extravagant any longer. It's not my money we're spending, it's our money. We're in this together, remember? You're right, Claudia answered. A taxi is expensive. The bus is cheaper. It's only 20 cents each. We'll take the bus. Only 20 cents each? That's 40 cents total. No bus. We'll walk. We'll wear out 40 cents worth of shoe leather, Claudia mumbled. You're sure we have to walk? Positive, Jamie said. Which way do we go? Sure you won't change your mind? The look on Jamie's face gave her the answer. She sighed. No wonder Jamie had more than $24. He was a gambler and a cheapskate. If that's the way he wants to be, she thought, I'll never ask him for bus fare. I'll suffer and never, never let him know about it. But he'll regret it when I simply collapse from exhaustion. I'll collapse quietly. We'd better walk up Madison Avenue, she told her brother. I'll see too many ways to spend our precious money if we walk on Fifth Avenue. All oh, those gorgeous stores. She and Jamie did not walk exactly side by side. Her violin case kept bumping him, and he began to walk a few steps ahead of her. As Claudia's pace slowed down from what she was sure was an accumulation of carbon dioxide in her system, she had not yet learned about muscle fatigue in science class, even though she was in the sixth grade honors class, Jamie's pace quickened. Soon, he was walking a block and a half ahead of her. They would meet when a red light held him up. At one of these mutual stops, Claudia instructed Jamie to wait for her on the corner of Madison Avenue and 80th Street, for there they would turn left for Fifth Avenue. She found Jamie standing on that corner, probably one of the most civilized street corners in the whole world, consulting a compass and announcing that they, when they turned left, they would be heading due northwest. Claudia was tired and cold, and the tips of her fingers and nose and toes were all cold, while the rest of her was perspiring under the weight of her winter clothes. She never liked feeling either very hot or very cold, and she hated feeling both at the same time. Head due northwest, head due northwest, she mimicked. Can't you simply say turn right or turn left as everyone else does? Who do you think you are? Daniel Boone? I'll bet no one's used a compass in Manhattan since Henry Hudson. Jamie didn't answer. He briskly rounded the corner of 80th Street and made his hand into a sun visor as he peered down the street. Claudia needed an argument. Her internal heat, the heat of anger, was cooking that accumulated carbon dioxide. It would soon explode out of her if she didn't give it some vent. Don't you realize that we must try to be inconspicuous? She demanded of her brother. What's inconspicuous? Unnoticeable. Jamie looked all around. I think you're brilliant, Claude. New York is a great place to hide out. No one notices no one. Anyone, Claudia corrected. She looked at Jamie and found him smiling. She softened. She had to agree with her brother. She was brilliant. New York was a great place, and being called brilliant had cooled her down. The bubbles dissolved. 
By the time they reached the museum, she no longer needed an argument. As they entered the main door on Fifth Avenue, the guard clicked off two numbers on his people counter. Guards always count the people going into the museum, but they don't count them going out. My chauffeur, Sheldon, has a friend named Morris who is a guard at the Metropolitan. I've kept Sheldon busy getting information from Morris. It's not hard to do since Morris loves to talk about his work. He'll tell about anything except security. Ask him a question he won't or can't answer, and he says, I'm not at liberty to discuss that. Security. By the time Claudia and Jamie reached their destination, it was one o'clock and the museum was busy. On any ordinary Wednesday, over 26,000 people come. They spread out over the 20 acres of floor space. They roam from room to room to room to room to room. On Wednesday, come the gentle old ladies who are using the time before the, old, the Broadway matinee begins. They walk around in pairs. You can tell they are a set because they wear matching pairs of orthopedic shoes, the kind that lace on the side. Tourists visit the museum on Wednesdays. You can tell them because the men carry cameras and the women look as though their feet hurt. They wear high-heeled shoes. I always say those that wear high heels deserve them. And there are art students any day of the week. They walk around in pairs. You can tell that they are a set because they are carrying matching black sketchbooks. You've missed all this, Saxonberg. Shame on you. You've never set your well-polished shoe inside that museum. More than a quarter of a million people come to that museum every week. They come from Mankato, Kansas, where they have no museums, and from Paris, France, where they have lots. And they all enter free of charge because that's what the museum is. Great and large and wonderful and free to all and complicated. Complicated enough even for Jamie Kincaid. No one thought it strange that a boy and girl, each carrying a book bag and an instrument case, and who would normally be in school, were visiting a museum. After all, about a thousand school children visited the museum every day. The guard at the entrance merely stopped them and told them to check their cases and book bags. A museum rule. No bags, food, or umbrellas. None that the guards can see. Rule or no rule, Claudia decided it was a good idea. A big sign in the checking room said no tipping, so she knew that Jamie couldn't object. Jamie did object, however. He pulled his sister aside and asked her how she expected him to change into his pajamas. His pajamas, he explained, were rolled into a tiny ball in his trumpet case. Claudia told him that she fully expected to check out at 430 they would then leave the museum by the front door and with five min within five minutes would re-enter from the back through the door that leads from the parking lot to the children's museum. After all, didn't that solve all their problems? One, they would be seen leaving the museum. Two, they would be free of their baggage while they scouted out around for a place to spend the night. And three, it was free. Claudia checked her coat as well as her packages. Jamie was condemned to walking around in his ski jacket. When the jacket was on and zippered, it was covered up that exposed strip of skin. Besides, the Orlin plush lining did a great deal to muffle his $24 rattle. Claudia would never have permitted herself to have become so overheated, but Jamie liked perspiration, a little bit of dirt, and complications. Right now, however, he wanted lunch. Claudia wished to eat in the restaurant on the main floor. But Jamie wished to eat in the snack bar downstairs. He said it would be less glamorous but cheaper. And as Chancellor of the Exchequer, 
As holder of the veto power and as tightwad of the year, he got his wish. Claudia didn't really mind too much when she saw the snack bar. It was plain, but clean. Jamie was dismayed at the prices. They had $28.61 when they went into the cafeteria and only $27.11 when they came out still feeling hungry. Claudia, he demanded, did you know food would cost so much? Now, aren't you glad that we didn't take a bus? Claudia was no such thing. She was not glad they hadn't taken a bus. She was merely furious that her parents, and Jamie's too, had been so stingy that she had been away from home for less than one whole day and was already worried about survival money. She chose not to answer Jamie. Jamie didn't notice. He was completely wrapped up in the problems of finance.